turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. I begin with a quote this morning from Don Hagner, who's written a commentary on Matthew. He, he says this, if this teaching of Jesus were to be lived out in the world, the whole system of evil would be dramatically shaken. Even if it were manifested seriously in the church, its impact would be incalculable. In this sublime command, so simple and yet so deep, we encounter a challenge central to the purposes of God. No other teaching is so readily identified with Jesus. No other teaching is so central to the righteousness of the kingdom and the practices of discipleship. Now that is a bold claim. That is an audacious claim. And so what is this sublime command that he speaks of? It's none other than the golden rule. The golden rule. That is our text this morning. As I say those two words, you know exactly what I'm talking about, I would suspect. Turn with me to Matthew 7 then, and it's verse 12. Jesus said, in what has become known as the golden rule... These words, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. The NIV says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The New Living Translation says, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. What an amazing statement this is. By the way, today is a great example of sequential expository preaching in this sense. This is a standalone thought in the text. You can't combine this with what came before. You can't force it in what comes after. You're going, why is he only doing one verse? Because one verse has a unit of thought. And some days it's only one verse and some days it's a whole chapter. But this is the way expository preaching works. And so this is its own paragraph, verse 12, its own thought. That brings me to the sermon main idea this morning. Jesus wants us to treat others the way we want to be treated. How simple, how golden is that? Jesus wants us to treat others the way we want to be treated. So what is my sermon purpose? It's nothing short of this. is that you and I, together as Christians, would treat everyone all the time the way we want to be treated. Wow, that's a substantial goal for a sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Is that everyone here, all of the time, would treat every person they encounter the way they want to be treated in return. Well, that is the purpose of this sermon. That is the challenge of this sermon. That is the standard that is set before us this this morning. Now, some necessary groundwork before we get into it. I need to remind you that Jesus is, once again, addressing disciples. He is addressing believers here. People who are in the church age dispensation now, as Matthew writes this to the church, empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit to keep such a command. Not perfectly, but in 
with consistency, right? As believers. He is speaking to believers. We've seen this over and over in the Sermon on the Mount. This is critical to understanding the Sermon on the Mount. This is part, big picture, of the surpassing righteousness that we must demonstrate as believers if we are to enter heaven. Not that we're working our way into heaven, but when God justifies a sinner and changes their heart, they give evidence of that change throughout their life. And the Bible says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's not just praying a prayer and walking an aisle and filling out a card and then living any way you want to the rest of your life and going up to heaven's gates with some presumption that you're going to get into heaven. That's not Christianity. That's not the Bible. See, the Bible says God's salvation changes us from within. And we begin to live differently because we have a new heart. And we think differently. We have different desires and different abilities even because we have God the Holy Spirit. And so he's addressing disciples who can keep this consistently even though it's not perfectly. All right? We need to understand that. It's just like the epistles then. Just like Romans. Just like Ephesians on that front. So that means very simply that when you see the golden rule, don't think that's the gospel. Because it's not. This is not the gospel. This is the law. And it's the law not so that you can work your way to heaven. It's the law so that you can say, praise God, he has told me how to live as a what? Believer. As a Christian. So this is not the gospel. This is not a means to salvation. If you started today and you treated every person for the rest of your life the way you want to be treated, if you haven't accepted Christ, you would still go to hell. You see, this is not a means of salvation. It is an evidence of salvation. It is the golden rule for Christians. And so on the flip side, to look at this text, to look at this command, to look at this challenge... As an unbeliever and think you can keep it is the height of audacity and arrogance. Because you can't. It is impossible for an unsaved person to do this. Hey, it's hard enough for a Christian to do it, right? Just think back the last seven days of your life. And every thought you've had and every conversation you've had and things you've said. Have you treated everyone the way you want to be treated? Of course you haven't. I haven't either. This is hard enough for the believer. This is impossible for the unbeliever. This is the law of God then that actually condemns the unbeliever, the unsaved person. So if you're here as that person this morning, you're here as a person without the Holy Spirit in your life, without a love for God in Christ, without a trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if that describes you this morning... What you need to do is come to Christ. You need to ask for forgiveness because you haven't done this. None of us have. And we haven't loved God perfectly. And so we come to Christ and we say, Christ, I need what you gave. I need what you did for me. I could not save myself. I could not keep this. You kept it in my place. You did this, Jesus. You did treat people the same way you wanted to be treated. You did fulfill the law and the prophets. And then, wonder of wonders, you went to a cross and paid for my penalty for not fulfilling the law and the prophets. See, this is the gospel of the good news of Christ as he does for us what we can't do for ourselves. And he gives to us what we could never earn from God. It's by grace we are saved through faith. Through faith, not through works. Not through the golden rule. 
Not through the Sermon on the Mount. That is not how God saves us in justification. And so the only thing you need to hear this morning if you're an unbeliever is that you need to repent and believe in Jesus. And then by the grace of God, you can join the rest of us in this great challenge of treating others the way we want to be treated. Now, the other thing I need to say about this as far as groundwork is this is all about how we treat others, not our expectations of how they are going to treat us. Don't turn this inward. Don't pick this up as a club to carry around and bang people with. Right? Say, so you're not treating me the way you want to be treated. That's not how to use this verse. This verse is for us to think about how we are going to treat others. All right? That is critical. That means we want to do this verse whether it's noticed, whether it's appreciated, whether we get anything in return, because it's not about getting anything in return. And as soon as we make it about getting something in return, we've... We've distorted it. We've perverted it. All right then, three details. Three details we must understand if we are going to practice the golden rule. Detail number one. The reach of the golden rule is all of life. The reach or the extent of the golden rule is all of life. I think that's what makes it so golden. Jesus says, look at it with me in the text, verse 12, in what? Everything. In everything, therefore. And we'll stop right there. Because the extent is all of life. When he says, in everything, therefore, he's actually reaching back all the way to chapter 5 and verse 17. Chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. And now we jump over to 5.12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want to be treated. For this is the what? The law and the prophets. And so by going back to the law and the prophets, 5.17 and 7.12, it's what's called an inclusio. He just put parentheses around the entire body of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, this is very important to understand what it means here. He is showing us again what the body of this sermon is. Chapter 5, 1 to 16 was the introduction. 5, 17 to 7, 12 is the body of the sermon. 7, 13 to 7, 27 is the conclusion of the sermon. And so that therefore then reaches back to everything he has been saying in this sermon. This is really the last statement of the body. This is like the conclusion of the meat of this sermon. And so the therefore includes... Things like murder and anger. Way back to chapter 5, right? So I don't have to tell you not to murder someone or not to be so angry with someone that you feel like murdering them if you fulfill the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do you want to be murdered? Of course you don't. All right, it goes back to reconciliation with someone we're at odds with. Do we want to have reconciliation? Do we want to have peace? Do we want someone to initiate that with us if we're at odds with a brother or sister? It goes back to adultery and lust. Do you want someone to commit adultery with your spouse? Of course you don't. Treat others the way you want to be treated. 
It just covers everything. He goes back to quick trigger divorce. Divorce for no reason. Willy-nilly divorce. Do you want to be divorced for no reason? Of course you don't. Then don't do it. Treat others the way you want to be treated. It goes back to our integrity in our speech. It goes back to seeking revenge. It goes back to judging others. Do you want to be judged unfairly or fairly? Treat others the way you want to be treated. It goes back to prayer. Do you want people to pray for you? Do you want people to pray for you? Then pray for others. Treat people the way you want to be treated, right? This this umbrella, this comprehensive command, therefore, as he concludes, really, the body of the Sermon on the Mount. We can say then, detail number one, the reach of the golden rule is all of life. The reach is all-encompassing. The reach is all-embracing. Try right now to think of an area of your life, an arena of your life, a relationship in your life, an activity of your life right now where the golden rule does not apply. Try really hard to think of one because you can't do it. This command leaves no stone unturned. This command is like the sun. It shines on everything. It shines on every relationship. It shines on every moment of every day. On the mundane Monday morning to the once-in-a-lifetime moments. From going to work on Wednesday to going on a vacation. It, it, it shines on every aspect of our existence. It's just like the sun in the sky. It is the golden rule shining on us. This command is like the tax code. It touches every area of life. It crawls and wiggles into everything we do financially. Property tax, sales tax, income tax, and on and on it goes. It is that comprehensive. So let's talk about how we can apply this golden rule then to all of life. And and of course the list is endless because it touches everything. But I want to give us a couple of categories to think about this morning as we think about applying this to our lives. The first would be that it reaches to our words. It reaches to our words, our our speech. This golden rule then reaches into our life of how we talk about other people when they're not around. In the privacy of our homes, in the privacy of a one-on-one conversation, how do we talk about other people when they're not around? Okay, I want to treat, I want to talk about that person the way I would want to be talked about if I wasn't around. You see how this works? How comprehensive it is? It reaches to our words. It reaches to how we speak to our spouse. How we speak to our husband or wife in public or in private. It reaches to how we speak to our children. Both in public and in private. Moms, dads, are you speaking to your children the way you want to be spoken to? Treat others the way you want to be treated. It reaches everything. That doesn't mean you don't discipline them in love. It means you speak to them with kindness, with respect, with a tone that is the tone you would want to be spoken to if you were that child in that moment. Right? Here's another area of our speech. Something I'm sure I've violated. Something I'm sure I have uh, observed. You know, we're in a sports-crazed society. (laughs) This deals with our words. To and about our kids' coaches. Uh oh. <laughs> I just found a few of you. <laughs> referees. Our kids' referees. 
and their sporting events? Or how about the opposing team, the opposing players, the opposing fans of the opposing team? It reaches to our words. What do I think about and what do I say about my kids' coaches, my kids' referees, or the opposing team? I think it applies there. Treat others the way you want to be treated. So it reaches into our words. There's a million more examples I could give, but let's go to a second category. It reaches into our pockets. It reaches into our pockets. What I mean is it has a financial bearing on our life, this golden rule. It reaches into that arena when we go to a restaurant and we're deciding what tip to leave for that waiter or waitress. Treat that person the way you want to be treated. It reaches into that area of life. It reaches into that moment where you get too much change at the drive-thru. They gave you back $5 too much. Do you say, praise the Lord, a gift from God? (laughs) Or do you treat others the way you want to be treated? Right? It reaches in if you run a business and someone accidentally overpays you, pays an invoice twice. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to treat them the way you want to be treated? Or perhaps you're going along someday and you find something that someone lost and you actually know who it belongs to. What do you do with it? You know, that's an example out of Exodus where the Bible says if you're going along and you find your neighbor's, you know, mule or ox wandering free... You are to return that to your neighbor. That's doing unto others the way you'd want to be treated as well. It's just very simple. It's very obvious. Here's another area that reaches into our pockets. It it, it applies to our paying of taxes. I've already referred to the tax code. It, It applies to our paying of taxes because what if you, as a private citizen, don't pay taxes? And what if everyone did what you did? What if everyone adopted your practice? See, that's not treating your neighbor as you want to be treated. No, we want to be treated fairly. We want everybody to do their fair share, right? And so to say, oh, I'm going to make myself an exception to the law, and I'm not going to pay what is right. I'm not going to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. You're not loving your neighbor when you do that. You're withholding from your neighbor. You're not living by the golden rule. See, it reaches into our pockets. Okay, This is where Christians can look like Christians and not like the world. Praise God for this command. This is a command that allows us, by the grace of God, to set ourselves apart from this world. And people say, wow, there's something different about that person. Let me give you another example. You're going to sell something. You're going to sell your house or sell a car. Are you going to treat that potential buyer the way you want to be treated? Or are you going to withhold information? Right? See, we're so tempted in those moments to, to live for the almighty dollar, to get the most we can get out of this and not tell that person what's wrong, right? That's why they have a thing called a seller's disclosure, where you fill that out and you're telling people what you know is wrong with your house. Or you're selling that car and you're telling the person, well, it's got this and this, I'm just letting you know. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to live out the golden rule. I don't live for money, I live for my neighbor. I want to treat people the way I want to be treated. Do I want to be ripped off? Do I want a person to look me right in the eye and lie to me about what they're selling me? No, of course I don't. So why do it to another? The extent then, the reach of the golden rule is all of life. That's the first detail we need to understand to fulfill this, to practice it, to even attempt it. Number two, second detail. 
the pattern for the golden rule is proper self-love. Proper self-love. Now, many of you are looking at me thinking, man, I've never heard him talk about (laughs) self-love. Self-esteem, he's usually kind of making fun of those things. Well, there is a place here for proper self-love, biblical self-love, godly self-love. That's not a contradiction in terms. And it turns out that it's actually the pattern. You with me? This is the, this is the blueprint. This is the example that we follow in keeping the golden rule. We don't have to be the rocket scientist here. We don't have to be brilliant here to understand. Here it is in the text. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Right? The basis then, not the basis, but the pattern is proper self-love. The same way you want to be treated. Well, how do you want to be treated? Here's some suggestions I think most of us would say. How do I want to be treated? I want to be treated with kindness, trust, Fairness, consistency. I want to be treated with patience, understanding, honesty, respect, right? Isn't that on your list? Isn't this, doesn't this sum up how we all want to be treated? All of these words, kindness, trust, respect, honesty, patience, all of these words find their pattern in godly self-love. Godly self-love. Now, I know I have to be very careful here where I walk. We are to deny the flesh, the sinful flesh. We are to hate our sinful flesh. We are to put to death the deeds of the sinful flesh. That is the Christian life, half of the Christian life, saying no to your sinful flesh. But listen carefully to me. Listen carefully. Self-loathing is something different. Self-loathing is something different than denying your sinful flesh, okay? Self-loathing is demonic. It is destructive. It is rooted in a false view of self. It is not rooted in being made in the image of God. It is not rooted in God's love for you as a child of God. That you have been loved forever and He will never let you go. You have a seat at His table Your Heavenly Father adores you and has given up everything possible to win you to Himself. You see, that is a proper view of self. Self Self-loathing is something else. Self-loathing is of the devil. Self-loathing leads to self-destruction, leads to suicide, leads to terrible things. The golden rule rests upon a proper love of self, a proper view of self. It rests upon the pattern of how God sees us, not even how I see myself from my sinful flesh. That is so critical. It's buried right there in the text the same way. I'm going to show you the pattern of how to treat people. You treat people the way you want to be treated. That is predicated upon you having a proper view of yourself. You don't want somebody to walk up and punch you in the face. Now, if you do, you've got self-loathing issues, right? You don't want somebody to come up and do something destructive or harmful to you. See, this is based on I've got a proper view of the value of myself. Now, this is not the first time this pattern has been found in the Bible. This is not new with Jesus, and it's not new with the Sermon on the Mount. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall love your neighbor, how? As yourself. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God doesn't have to tell us how we are to do that in detail. We know what that means. It's an assumption, you see. Now, this is not the last time Jesus will use what I'm calling proper or biblical self-love as the pattern for the golden rule. Turn to Matthew 22. So it's in Leviticus, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, and here it is again in Matthew 22, in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asking him a question, testing him, Teacher, what is, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Paul followed Jesus' example. Turn to Romans chapter 13. In verse 8, Romans 13, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Romans 13, 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's beautiful. It's simple. It's golden. Or how about Galatians 5, where Paul follows the Lord's example again. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. So the pattern for the golden rule is proper self-love. Love your neighbor as yourself. So how does this work? What does this look like? Let's look at a couple of examples here. Let's take the example of you have been sinned against. You have been sinned against and she comes to you and asks you for forgiveness. What does the golden rule require that you do in that moment? Forgive. Just flip it. When you sin against someone and you go to them and ask for forgiveness, what do you want? What do you want to hear? How do you want to be treated? What do you want them to do to you? How do you want them to respond to you? How do you want them to look at you? How do you want that to go down? If your neighbor is overwhelmed with problems or needs through no fault of their own, and they come and they ask you for help, the golden rule says, help Treat them the way you want to be treated. Because the day will probably come and you'll be overwhelmed. And you'll have needs. And you'll want to have someone to ask for help. Or just even generically, if we're hungry or thirsty or poorly clothed, if we're in need of basic necessities of life, how would we want to be treated in that situation? 
So it is the pattern then of proper biblical self-love, self-awareness. Detail number three. Save the best for last. Go back to our text in Matthew. Matthew seven twelve. And let's look at the passage one more time for detail number three. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Here it is. For this is the law and the prophets. Detail number three, the motivation for the golden rule is God's glory. The motivation for fulfilling the golden rule is God's glory. Now, Jesus is teed up right here to do something that he, of course, never does. But he could have if he had wanted to. Before he says, for this is the law and the prophets, he could have made this about us. He could have said, treat people the way you want to be treated, for this will win friends and influence people. Right? He is teed up for it. It's right there. For the taking. He could have said, treat people the way you want to be treated, for this will give you your best life now. Oh, yeah. He could have made this about man's supposed goodness. Right? I say supposed. He could have said, treat people the way you want to be treated, because people are so special and worthy. He could have said, he was teed up for it. It was right there to talk about the worthiness of people and why we should treat them with kindness, fairness, honesty, consistency, respect. He could have made this about society because society hasn't changed since the fall. He could have said, treat others the way you want to be treated for a child's treatment will determine how they grow up to treat others. Or he could have said, for this will reduce mass murders and crime with an eye toward the good of society. He could have said all of those things. Instead, he says, for this is the law and the prophets. You see what he's doing? He's saying, for this is the word of God. For this is the will of God. For this pleases your heavenly Father. For this sums up His righteous and holy and good standard. This is why you do this. For the glory of God. This is His will. And He will be pleased. This is an amazing thing. This is a surprising end to the golden rule. Even as Jesus gives us a summary of God's Word related to the horizontal treatment of one another, He roots our motivation in the vertical. He roots our motivation in the vertical. I'm never going to be properly motivated if you are my motivation. And you will never be properly motivated if I am your motivation. It's got to be rooted in God. We must treat one another as we want to be treated because God said to do it. Because God is worthy. Because I love God's law. I love the word of the prophets. That's why. Listen, proper self-love gives us the pattern, but it does not give us the motivation. Did you catch that? If you don't catch that, man, you've missed everything today. Proper self-love gives us the pattern, but it does not give us the motivation. The motivation is God is worthy. Jesus is worthy. And then if 
they don't notice or if they don't care or if they don't appreciate, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because God notices and God cares and God appreciates. And He is my motivation for living. Three details then to understand if we are to practice the golden rule. The extent is every area of life. There is no stone unturned. The pattern is a proper self-love. And the motivation is God's glory. Don't you love summaries? Don't you love, if you're going to go to a movie, you know what's the first thing you ask? What's it about? You want to read the synopsis. I want a summary. What am I committing to here? If someone tells you about a book to read, right? A novel or a Christian book or whatever. And you want a, you want a summary. You flip on the back. You want, you want a synopsis. You want it boiled down. Condense this for me before I dive into 300 pages. Well, we love summaries. If you're listening to a person who gives lots of details in a conversation, don't you love summaries? <laughs> Don't you love it when they get to the point? Our Lord took all of the commands related to the human interaction found in 39 books of the Old Testament, makes up 1,344 pages in my Bible, and he reduced it to 15 Greek words. And I'm going to give you a one word. You've already heard it, but one more time. One word summary of the summary is what? Love. The one word summary of the summary is love. Everything else is just commentary. Father in heaven, by the grace of God and the power of Christ in us, help us this day, for the remainder of this day, in our speech, in our money, in our words, in our actions, help us to treat others the way we want to be treated. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.